Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich, your host. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. Each episode, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, and outline some insight about early development. This series is time for you to be together and to feel like you're doing something good for and with your baby, small child, or multiple young children. Please always follow your child's lead. I am a speech and language pathologist, and I specialize in work with very young children, but this is not to be confused with speech therapy. This is what I call family enrichment. All suggested activities are meant to be enjoyed by your baby under close adult supervision. For a more complete story of strength in words, please listen to my introduction episode or visit my website, strengthinwords.com. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to Ayelet, hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello. Hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Hello to the children, hello to the grown-ups, hello, 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 hello. Hello to your friends, hello to my friends, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name. Hello to your name. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Today we're going to be speaking to Jill Loftus, the pediatric occupational therapist behind Honest Occupational Therapy. Let's sing her a warm welcome. Hello to Jill, hello to Jill, hello, 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 hello to the kiddos, hello to the parents, hello, 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 one last time, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Welcome to episode 45 of the Strength in Words podcast. Today I am speaking with Jill Loftus, a pediatrics occupational therapist, parent coach, educator, and author focused on enabling and empowering children and families. Her experience ranges from working in the schools, homes, clinics, and in the community in New York, San Diego, and currently in Denver. Jill started Honest Occupational Therapy to motivate children, families, and educators to develop the skills they need to perform everyday tasks and be successful, the heart of occupational therapy. Jill, welcome. Thank you, Ayelet. It's so nice to be here. (laughs) So I've asked you on the show today to speak a little bit about the sensory system, sensory processing, and really what that is, and how we can best support sensory development in our infants and toddlers. So First, I'd love to just hear a little bit about you and what brought you into the kind of work that you're doing today. Sure. So I've been an OT in pediatrics for almost 20 years, and I can't believe that I'm saying that because I don't feel that old. But I always had a passion for children. I love watching them play and talk from my very first days as an 
OT. That's what I've been doing. I've always worked in pediatrics. And I love working with families. And I also enjoy sharing all this information that we have to offer and just getting it out there, helping families make life a little bit easier in so many different areas. And it's great. And I'm still very passionate about it after all this time. So, yeah, my major area that I base my work on is the sensory integration theory. And I know it sounds a little bit scary. We're talking about theories and blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to try to make it really easy for you guys to understand and realize that sensory is truly the foundation. If we looked at development as a pyramid, sensory and the nervous system would be at the bottom of that pyramid. And all those other skills would kind of go up all the way to the top, you know, with uh, just how we get through our day. Nice. Great. Great way to think about it. All right. So let's see. Can you give us an overview of some of the basic information about that sensory system and what happens also when it's overloaded? Yes. Yes. So we have been taught from very early on that we have five senses. And ironically enough, I was just in a preschool classroom a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about this. And I was like, we should really be teaching them that we have three hidden senses. And this is, I think, really so interesting and to me these three senses are really the true foundation of how our bodies work and I'm going to share that piece of information with you today. So the first system is called the vestibular system and it's just a fancy word for how your body experiences movement. So inside our ears there are these little ear canals and they have fluid in them and they move around Uh, It flows back and forth. And then there are these hair cells that dip down in there and they send signals to our brain. So when you're riding in a car, when you're doing a forward roll, when you're sitting in a chair, when you're doing any sort of movement, you're getting signals to your brain about what you're doing. Sometimes those messages can get messed up. They can be hypersensitive. So you might have to move all the time. They might be under-responsive, meaning kids who get like car sick or don't really like having their feet off the ground. And then you have just slow processors. So you can imagine like that information is creeping and then they respond to everything a little bit later than they're supposed to. So that's a really important sense to develop. And it's one of the first senses to develop when we're we're itty bitty. The second sense is called your proprioception system. And again, big fancy word, but all it really means is It's the response of your muscles and tendons around your joints. So things like crawling and running and opening and closing doors and using utensils during mealtime and writing with pencils, all of that requires proprioception or how you're feeling that information coming to your body. For children who are hypersensitive to that, they're kind of flitting all around, they're clumsy, they're not noticing what's going on. And then kids who are low in that area are pushing super hard, like they open the door, like, you know, busted in, or they're <laughs> drawing holes through their paper, because their system is low, and they think they're doing it properly, mm. but they're not. And the thing with kids is they have no previous understanding of how things should be. This is what they know. This is how they're acting. So we need to pick up on these kinds of red flags or types of behavior so that we know that we can we can help them. The last one is kind of new on the scene. It's called <laughs> interoception. And that's our inner body sense. So kids who have a hard time potty training, 
uh, kids who maybe never ask for water or, or food or kids who are insatiable need to be drinking water, need to be eating all the time, heart rate, all those inner senses, mm -hmm. that's interoception. So again, when you have kids who are really hyper about it, they're unaware. They're just like, they're the ones who are playing all the time and not really checking in with their body. And then you have the ones who are lower, who are kind of like, this is what I need all the time, all the time. Um, so these senses truly, to me, are really, really important. And sensory processing, the pure definition of it is how we take in process and give an adaptive response to our environment. So 20% of the population has sensory processing disorder. Disorder wow. is kind of a scary word, I think, to a lot of people. Based on the history of special needs and all of that, it has this negative connotation. With sensory processing disorder, disorder means truly a disordering. Mm. So the information is coming in through our senses. And it's a neurological disordering of the information. So a siren goes off. And to one person, it's just a siren. To another person, it is so horribly loud and terrifying that they have a really negative response. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I hope that that's clear. And I really want people to understand that it's we probably all have sensory processing disorder to some degree. Right. Because, <laughs> because know? from what it sounds like, and I think this is like maybe a good way to think about it is like anything else. It's a spectrum, perfectly managed sensory system right in the middle. Right. But then you have like a hypersensitive and hyposensitive Correct. all in the higher and lower end. So at any given right. moment and probably depending on also the kinds of input that a child or a person is given and their level of tiredness and hunger as well. Those are all things that are going to influence, especially a young infant who's experiences this like sensorama world all the time. And then say a toddler who is probably trying to manage emotions and all of the other yeah. regulatory things. I love that you brought up the spectrum. And I think that that's really awesome way of understanding it. And mm. that we can have a mild reaction and a moderate reaction and a severe reaction. Right. And a severe reaction is when it truly interferes with your daily routine. Your child is unable to put the clothes on and get out the door in an appropriate amount of time. That means that there is something going on there. So, Which yes. in and of itself is a spectrum. Right. <laughs> right. Because oh, most toddlers have a hard time getting out the door. Yes. And that's why, that's when you would reach out to an yeah. OT. Well, before I get to why you should want to work with an OT, <laughs> I just want to say also with the spectrum, not only can it be mild, moderate, and severe, but it could also happen in one or all of those sensory systems. Yes. So you could have a really severe response to auditory stuff, but mm -hmm. then you could have like your taste buds, you know, like you could just very bland food or whatever. Right. So it can really be all over the place. And mm -hmm. that's what I think a lot of the frustration is with parents is because they think they look at a checklist and they're like, they don't have everything. They don't need to have everything. It's truly about, is it impacting your life so yeah. incredibly that it, 
it's just so frustrating and you don't know what to do. And that's when you reach out to an OT because we can help you sort through all of that, give you clear answers as to, is this truly sensory processing? Not only do we help with the sensory processing, but we're looking at gross motor milestones, like crawling, sitting up, walking, running, jumping, your posture. We're looking at your fine motor skills, how you're playing with toys, how you were using crayons and markers with drawing and coloring, how you're using utensils at mealtime, how you're manipulating zippers, snaps, buttons, getting dressed, all those kinds of things. So we really truly look at the whole child. And just like the word disorder, I want people to understand that occupational therapists are not synonymous with special needs children. We can really truly help anyone, you know, uh, whether you have a disability or not, because of our training and because of our knowledge and the resources we have, we can just answer your questions. If you're a parent, you probably have a lot of questions. And <laughs> Guess what? Well, That's why you're here today. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, you know, it's always great to reach out. Like, yeah. why, why, like, be like, oh, I wish I knew that then. Yeah, well, get them answered. Stop worrying. Like, you have enough to do as a parent. So. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jill. You're welcome. (laughs) So let's hear a little bit about what are some of the vital differences between a tantrum and a sensory meltdown? Because as we mentioned before briefly, sometimes we see that real, those needs not being met and that can look really scary or really intense for a child from the outside. Right. Right. And I love what you just said, which is needs are not being met. And that is truly what a tantrum is. So really quickly, before I get into the differences of a tantrum and a sensory meltdown, I wanted to share that I'm also a parenting coach and I've been working with my very good friend, Melissa Schwartz, who is a parenting coach for highly sensitive children. And we are in the final stages of our book, which is going to be released this spring. And it's called Under the Hood, The Inner Workings of Children. And what we do is we talk about the differences and similarities between high sensitivity, sensory processing disorder. And then we talk about these kinds of things, like how do you know my child's having a tantrum and a meltdown and all of that. And really briefly, high sensitivity is a genetic trait in 20% of the population. It's been studied in all different species, even animals. And sensory processing, like I said earlier, is a neurological disordering of information. So that word sensitivity and sensory kind of get confused. And again, we're trying to make it clear for parents and anyone working with children when you should see certain things like this. And there can be an overlap. Your kid can have both of those things. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to talk about the real information. So a tantrum is like what you said. It's a learned behavior as a result of built up stress. Mm -hmm. And a sensory meltdown is a neurological response to something that's happening. Tantrums can, in a way, be stopped, even when they're in that, like, oh, like in the middle of Target having their meltdown. (laughs) But with sensory meltdowns, this could go on for a really long period of time. And we might not be able to control the environment and what's going on or even figure out what that trigger was until maybe several days later as to why that happened. Mm -hmm. So first, let's talk a little bit more about tantrums. So we have manipulative tantrums that usually start off pretty innocently and, you know, and most of the time we're unconsciously contributing to this tantrum. 
It can be because we're probably being inconsistent with our rules, routines, and boundaries. Mm -hmm. So the example I love giving here is you have a rule in your house about not jumping on the couch and the kid keeps standing up and you're like, listen, the rule is we're not jumping on the couch. And you get up and up and up. And after the 10th time, you're finally like, all right, fine, jump on the couch. And then you go through this all the time. But if you're not standing firm on what you want your rules, routines, and boundaries to be, this can happen a lot. And kids know how to poke Mm -hmm. at us and act like that. So, you know, they'll say no to us or they'll whine or they'll say, why can't I jump on the couch? You know, so we really want to make sure that we're being consistent and that their wants and needs are being met consistently. Right. Throughout the day. Well, and also I think just to add to that, it is also their job as toddlers to test whether or not there is a rule that is consistent across all people, settings, contexts, environments, all of those things. So if the rule in the house is not to jump on the couch and they're then they're going to try and figure that out with mom or with dad. And in the morning or in the afternoon. And maybe I could, if I can't jump on the couch, maybe I can jump on this chair, right? Right. So they're trying to figure out the rules of the world, right? That is is what they're supposed to be doing. It's infuriating and it makes us crazy. But it is also developmentally appropriate. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's what I was just going to say. It's very common for toddlers, you know, even into those like kindergarten, early elementary years to do this, to figure out what's going on. That's an awesome point. The other tantrum is a stress tantrum. Mm -hmm. So it might seem like these tantrums also come out of nowhere, but it can be built up, you know, uh, changes in life, right? New baby, moving, starting a new school, you having a stressful day at work constantly bringing that home, you know, like we experience stress transforms as adults, <laughs> I think, even though we might not, you know, yell and kick and scream on the floor, we, we sometimes kind of lose it, you know, and we, we have a hard time regulating. So some of the best ways to help kids going through stress tantrums is to kind of tune in to what is going on and kind of figure out what maybe some of those signs would be before they get to that point. It's a little bit different than those manipulative. You're approaching it from a different perspective than a manipulative tantrum. So those are the two, I think, major tantrum areas. And do you have any other questions or comments about that? Because I'm going to move on to the <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. I mean, I think uh-huh. the manipulative is the sort of testing behavior. And then the stress mm-hmm. is more, it's because they're experiencing something right. that is enhancing or right. making them more, I guess you could say, right. sensitive to something that's yeah. happening. And I think a lot of times it's hard if you have multiple children or, yeah. you know, like when you're having a new baby... And they're like, but the older one didn't do that. This didn't happen with them. And that's hard because you got to parent in a different way for all of your kids because (laughs) they have something called temperament, which is like your hard wiring and it's something you're born with. So you could have a really like chill kid first time and then you can have a kid who's off the freaking wall the second time. Yep. And (laughs) what one situation might send one of them into a tantrum. The other one's going to look at the one on the floor and be like, why are you so wrong with that guy? (laughs) So, yeah, it could be very challenging. So now sensory meltdowns. And I like saying 
putting sensory meltdowns together, not just meltdowns, because Mm -hmm. it is because of a sensory overload experience. Mm -hmm. And again, just like we talked about with the spectrums and just like we mentioned with kids being different, there can be different tipping points for these kids. Mm -hmm. And what that means is their central nervous system has been overwhelmed by something and it's misinterpreted in their body. So it could be that the lights are humming, the fluorescent lights are humming. It could be a fire alarm went off in the store. It could be that the store is super crowded. Mm -hmm. It could be there's a smell in the restaurant. I think a lot of parents of sensory kids try to really think about these things and go into proper environments, but you can't, you don't live in a bubble and it can't always be controlled. Mm -hmm. So this is what can happen sometimes. I think with the sensory meltdowns, the difference between a tantrum and a meltdown is with tantrums, there's a point where you can kind of go in there as an adult and work through it and Mm -hmm. give some comfort in trying to get through this and kind of rationalize with the kid and go through that. Or even even just like acknowledge that it's happening. Sometimes that is enough, but... Yes, but with a sensory meltdown, that sometimes and most times seems like that's not possible in that moment. Mm -hmm. By letting the child kind of go through it, we have to wait to intervene because we might actually cause more stress Mm -hmm. in that moment, I think, by coming in there than just waiting until we see signs of calm behavior to process that. So I think that that's also a big difference between the two Mm. things that we see. You know, I love what you said, too, about with a tantrum, even just sitting next to your child who might be crying and just hugging them and loving them, you know, they could feel that, too. Sometimes with a sensory meltdown, you really want to be safe. You know, you may not want to get near your kid they might be very very upset and we don't want you or them or anyone else to get hurt in that moment because it can be just so so overwhelming for them so again we just want to kind of wait so I think that kind of leads into maybe we're coming into this holiday time Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's well I think a lot of times it's stressful for everyone, regardless of where you are on that spectrum. You know, lots of holiday time, (laughs) lots of food, lots of change of schedule, all of that. I'm hoping that these tips can probably apply to the grown-ups as well. Yeah, yeah, benefit from some of these tips. So I send out a weekly newsletter and I basically always do five tips for whatever topic it is. And in this one, I'm going to provide you with five tips to maintain your sanity during the the holidays. Yay. (laughs) Yay. So I think the first one truly is our self-regulation, adult Mm self-regulation. If you're overwhelmed, if you're stressed out, if you're feeling not yourself, your kids are going to pick up on that and they're going to be a mess because you're the model. You're the one who's energetically, physically, you know, all of that, showing them how they should be getting through this time. So I know it's really hard, but really being that good self-model, even if you do things like check in and be like, I need to take a deep breath right now. Let's just all take a deep breath right now. It's okay for you to leave the room and take a break. You know, that's a great strategy that you will teach your kids is how to self-regulate and how to calm down appropriately. That acknowledgement of everyone needs this. Yeah. I tend to use the phrase, I think I need to hit the reset button. Yes, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's strategy out there where it's uh, like red, yellow, green, blue, Mm -hmm. 
you know, colors might work really well, especially for those younger kids, because we tend to associate red with like stopping. Yellow is like, I'm kind of getting there. I'm feeling like I'm going to freak out a little bit. Green is like thumbs up, good to go. Mm-hmm. And blue is kind of like tired, lethargic. So, you know, there's lots of different strategies out there and you can even say it too. You can be like, I feel green this morning. I'm ready to go. So I think, again, that first one, adult regulation is really important. The second one is for those kids who do have sensory processing disorder, a lot of times their occupational therapist will provide them with a sensory diet. Mm -hmm. And really briefly, a sensory diet is a set of activities that a child should be doing throughout the day to help them maintain what we call an optimal level of functioning. So truly this can work for any child. So parents are already amazing. You're doing so many activities with your kids, but you're not thinking about like behind the scenes sensory things that are going on. But if you have this great, um, like in the morning, we're going to go to the playground for 30 minutes and then we're going to come home and, you know, just not overwhelmingly, but providing the nice balance of some movement activities, some activities like Play-Doh or shaving cream or sensory bins, those kinds of things. That tactile stuff. Tactile. Mm -hmm. That would be incredible. And really kind of providing them with a way to satiate their self-regulation skills. There's plenty of examples online. And if you do work with an OT, definitely talk about it. And it's a living, breathing thing. Like we're not always the same person. What will work one day won't work the other day. So it's nice to have a bag of tricks and some backups to try to say like, hmm, I noticed this behavior is happening a lot at the same time, but this Mm -hmm. isn't working. Maybe I need something else Mm -hmm. to kind of fill it in. The third one is I would really encourage all of us to watch our diet during this time. It's obviously a season for lots of snacks and overeating and all of that. Sugar. Yep. Sugar, sugar, sugar. And there's so much research out there that tells us that sugar and dyes and all of that kind of stuff really impacts our bodies and these little bodies, you know, so hard and there is a brain body connection so what our gut experiences our brain experiences and you know we always go with oh now they're going to be all crazy after sugar yeah they are because they're (laughs) digesting it and it's connected so let them have the treats but watch the amount that they're having don't you know you don't have to take it away but just in moderation everything in moderation Yeah. The fourth one is because a lot of these kids may be out of school, I know from working in the schools that lots of the classrooms now have a visual schedule Mm -hmm. up on the board. So the kids start to really get routinized and understand that I come in, I put my backpack away, I wash my hands, I go to circle, we have snack, all of those kinds of things. And it's there because after a while we start talking and it's like, blah, 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 whatever. So especially because some of these kids might be out of school, you may want to create a visual schedule at home Mm -hmm. that can kind of remind them and they might even be excited because they're so used to what it's going to be. So not that every day of your holiday has to be the same, but just let them know that, okay, we're going to wake up, we're going to have breakfast, we're going to go on a play date with Joe, then we're going to come home, whatever, and however you want it to look. Or we're getting on an airplane, we're going to Florida, you know. 
all of that kind of stuff. That preparation for transitions and things that are less familiar or less regular even. Yes. Or in a, an unfamiliar environment to give, to give some stability, to give some routine, because we all know that those daily routines, those caregiving routines, those play routines are Mm -hmm. what help to regulate both ourselves and our children and help them to anticipate what's coming next and deal with transitions. So that's so important, I think, Jill, because when we are out of that, it becomes naturally dysregulating for all of us. It's a tough, we don't know where our bodies or our brains are supposed to be. And we have lots of different kinds of input from, you know, family and everything. So yeah, excellent point. Yes. And you know, there's lots of ways that you can do this. You can use a dry erase board, you know, one of those small ones and take it with you. You can probably find apps on your phone or, you know, uh, find pictures and print those out. Yeah. Also keep in mind how old your kid is and how much they can truly handle in relation to that schedule. Yeah. So for some kids, it needs to be within that activity. So meaning like we're going to get up, brush our teeth, get dressed. That's all you're telling them. And yeah. then you're going to tell them the next chunk of what's going on. Yeah. For older kids, you could probably put the whole day down and be like, let's check it off as it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing our morning routine. We're going to the play date. We're going to take a nap, you know, and then they just know what's expected. And I think we would see a lot less tantrums if kids kind of knew what was coming. And like you said, you know, just had some more stability right. within a really outrageous time. And to reiterate, like this is really important, even for an infant, say a nine, 10, 11 month old, we yes. don't think sometimes about how, because they can't tell us with words, how right. outside of themselves things are happening. But it's so important. We can just say those things. And like you said, just, okay, look, we're at grandma's house tonight, but we're going to wake up and we're going to do this and that, and let's do it. And when you just put words to what you're doing or sing a song about it or whatever it is, or look at a picture of what's, where we're going, like, So helpful. So helpful. And with that said, with the word part, I love encouraging parents to read books about anything that's coming up about change. So reading books about holidays or going on vacation or anything that's going to be happening. It's so helpful for you as an adult because then you have a reference. Mm -hmm. So again, we talk, 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 and they're like, whatever. And you can be like, remember in the story when Bobby went to his grandma's house? How did he feel? So you have more tools as a parent to help your kid through something that's new or unexpected and those kinds of feelings. Yeah. So the last one I want to share is to kind of say no to crowds, large groups, those kinds of things that might be truly overwhelming. Even if you go over to a family's house and kind of going back to the infant, you know, passing around the baby, who's holding the baby, those kinds of sensory information could really start to amp up a little baby. You might, you know, see crying and just not okay, falling asleep, whatever. So, and back to that, that is that hyper and hypo, right? Crying, uh crying, it's too much, or just shutting down, falling asleep. That is opposite sides of that sensory spectrum. That child is either experiencing way too much or and is crying or is experiencing way too much and is shutting down. 
Exactly. Exactly. So I know for me, you know, like I can handle family for a couple of hours and then I truly need to be by myself. (laughs) I need a glass of wine. I need some TV. I need to have some downtime. And I think we truly need to attune to our children in that way. We need to know before they start doing that, that it's time to go. Because in that moment, when they're melting down, it's, it's it doesn't late. serve anyone. Just to be mindful. That's great, Jill. Great tips. Yeah. All five of those are great, great tips. All right, so we are going to take just a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll hear more about some of your favorite resources. That would be great. Do you want to provide an enriching environment without all the plastic bells and whistles? Do you want to know how to stimulate your infant or toddler's growth and development? Are you tired of trying to do this all in a vacuum? We were not meant to parent in isolation. That is why I created the Strength and Words Community Lab, a content and community hub that brings you peace of mind that you have what matters when you need it most. Bite-sized morsels of developmental information, activity ideas to apply right now, parent support groups grouped by your child's age, developmental music classes, and unprecedented access to professionals and special guests like the one we have today as well as an active, engaged community of others like you. The Community Lab is an all-in-one resource that is not one-sized-fits-all. To take your free one-week trial and join us for everything I've just described, as well as member access to Q&A sessions with the featured guests I bring onto the podcast, come check out community.strengthandwords.com. Okay, Jill, what are some of your other favorite resources for parents who are interested in maybe learning more about sensory development, sensory processing. You mentioned your upcoming book, and I can't wait to link to that once we have that. So, yeah. So that is uh, SPSD Kids is the um, company, and then the book is Under the Hood, the Manual to the Inner Workings of Children, and that will be released in early spring of 2018. Awesome. Uh, and there'll be a link on my website. So great resources, honestot.com. Yeah. Uh, sign up for a weekly newsletter. We go all over the board as far as topics. Um, I love having guest bloggers. I've had quite a few speech therapists. I have chiropractors, massage therapists, anyone in the community that can really help to foster child development. I'm in. Some of the other resources here in Denver is the Star Center, which is a world-renowned resource for sensory processing disorder. Mm -hmm. Lucy Jane Miller founded it, and she is one of the most amazing women, uh, just does so much research and support for families all over the world. So you can check out that website. There's some great books out there um, that kind of talk about sensory processing uh, the Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz is a good one. Uh, the Sensory Smart Child by Lindsay Beale is another good resource. Uh, it really just depends what kind of learner you are. Yeah. I can't say that there's any good videos that kind of break it down. You know, it's it's a tricky topic and it can get easily overwhelming because right. I think of that science-based stuff. So trying to make it fun and exciting can be a little bit tricky. Well, I think we've done a pretty decent job of it today. (laughs) So thanks so much, Jill. And thanks to all of our community lab members who are listening here live. We are going to continue the discussion and open up for a Q&A session so that if we haven't done a full job, we can continue on. (laughs) And so we'll do that in just a minute. 
And for everyone listening from home or on the go, thanks so much for joining us and we will see you next time. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye bigger kids. Goodbye all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye Yalit. Goodbye to Jill. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts. Being here together. Thanks so much, everyone. If you feel inclined to support what we're doing here at Strength in Words, you can do so by joining our mailing list, where you can receive weekly ideas and developmental information applicable to your infant or toddler to maximize the connection between you and your baby and to bring you peace of mind. If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of Strength in Words podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. Don't forget to check out community.strengthinwords.com, your content and community hub, to make your play more productive. Come take a one-week trial on me. See you next time.